Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the blessing and grace, Lord, to be gathered together. Thank you for the hope that is ours, Lord, as we seek to um, grab hold of you, Lord. We pray that you would speak today to us. Lord, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your engagement in our lives, that you aren't merely concerned with the big things or the big people, but you're concerned with us, Lord, and the little things in our life. Lord, as we enjoy the beauty of this day, the beauty of this place, as, Lord, you filter the sunlight through the windows here and change the complexion and the appearance of this place, so too we pray that your light would shine into our hearts. Lord God, illumine those places that are dark. Shine light into those places that we have walled off from you. And we pray that you would break down our barriers and that you would help us to fall more in love with you, to turn over more of our life to you. And we ask, Lord God, that you would speak to us today. Give me your words to speak to your people and give us all your word that we might be equipped to proclaim your good news. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. Morning. It's phenomenal to see you all today. Thank you for worshiping with us. Uh, and I would like to recognize that it's a hard part of the year for lots of kids, right? Because it's the end of the school year. And the end of the school year is complicated, isn't it? I mean, it's good, right? And they're all excited. But it's also hard because your friends who you've been spending so much time with, your cohort, right? They're going to be all going their different directions during the summer. And that's if you're coming back to school next year, right? What if you're heading off to college or graduating from college, right? Those friends, you might, some of them you might never see again. Yeah, that's a hard thing. Now, this time of year is when kids have their yearbooks and they're passing them around to other people and you're writing in their yearbook whatever you want to write. Did you ever find that difficult to do? Yes. yes. I did, personally. I was like, because what do you want it? You want it to properly like convey the emotion, right? Or the, the sentiment. But you don't want it to be sappy, right? No, you want to have a little like comedic edge on it so that it's like, I'm going to miss you, ha ha ha, or, you know, whatever, you know, and then they're like, wait, that didn't say what I wanted it to say. Um, it's complicated, isn't it? Complicated. And you want to make it like so that like the kid's mom can read it too and it'll be all right, right? Even if, yeah, so complicated times trying to figure out how to say goodbye. I don't think we're real good at saying goodbye, honestly, as a people. But more importantly, even after we say goodbye, while we're away from each other, what will we do? What will we do to keep that relationship fresh or to stay connected or stay uh, on track with, with the direction we were heading beforehand? What do we do when we're away from each other? That's a big question I don't think we dwell on quite enough. But it is certainly the question that is present here in our reading from Acts of the Apostles, our first reading for today. Now, in this passage, we have Jesus Christ is with the apostles, uh, and the apostles are just the disciples with a cooler name, right? Uh, it, they go from disciple is one who follows, apostles are those who are sent. It's where we get our word postal service. You can see it right in there in apostles. So if you're going to go apostle on somebody, I guess, I don't know, I've never thought about that. Um, so... Uh, Jesus, in this part of the, uh, the book of Acts, he has died and he has rose again on the third day. And he's been with the apostles, with the disciples for 40 days after his resurrection. 
Right, 40 days. So here we are. And uh, the day of the ascension was on Thursday, right? We just celebrated it. So the apostles are curious now if it is now the time for the kingdom to be restored to Israel. What does that mean? Yeah, this seems to be that same thing that people wanted from Jesus during his ministry, kind of popping its head up again, right? This is kind of like the whack-a-mole game that Jesus plays with his disciples and all those who follow him is, okay, is it now the time that you're going to, that you're going to throw off the bonds of the Romans, that you're going to conquer them? You're going to ride like a, a white horse into Jerusalem and be our victor. Is this your time to be King David, the military victor for us? And every time Jesus has to whack that mole down again, right? But it keeps popping up again because that's what the people want. They want to be free. They want to be an independent nation. And they want this clear sign that God is with him in that he has taken away their oppressors, the Romans. Here Jesus doesn't directly say, no, it's not that time. But he does, def- he does deflect their argument. And he does it by saying, look, It's not for you to know the times, the periods that the Father has set by his own authority. And then he says, now look at this shiny thing over there. Right? We'll talk about something new. This is kind of what parents do, right? Can we, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Oh, look outside! Look at that beautiful mountain. A bird! Did you see the bird? Right? Did you guys do this with your kids? Jesus, squirrel! Yeah, Jesus does this with his disciples all the time. That's right. I see a I see a blue car. Does anyone see a blue car? So um, he tells them, look, those dates, those times, those are all in the father's hands. Those are not for me to tell you. Jesus was trusting in the father to tell him when it was time. He didn't need to tell them because he couldn't tell them. Okay, so instead he says there is something else that's coming. There's a new thing that's coming. There is something to get excited about. And spoiler alert, that is the Holy Spirit. Right. And spoiler alert, that's happening next Sunday. Right. We're celebrating that day, the day of Pentecost, where we remember that the Holy Spirit came into the world in power and in might. And we're not going to discuss that really right now, that that event, because the bishop will be preaching on that next Sunday. And I don't want to steal his thunder or upstage him, you know. (laughs) So um, but Jesus says when this Holy Spirit comes, when the day of Pentecost takes place. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria. And how far? To the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth. How far away is that? There is no end, right? You just have to keep going. And as soon as you've gone somewhere, you have to go further, right? The ends of the earth. Then in this Totally phenomenal miracle. Jesus is lifted up and a cloud takes him out of their sight. And the disciples, what are they doing? They're just like, Uh. right? Oh my gosh, this just happened. Jesus has just gone up in a cloud. And then we see two men in white robes appear with them. And what do they ask him? Why are you looking up there? And the disciples would probably answer like you or I and be like, did you just see what happened? Like, we just, Jesus, cloud, sky, gone, right? We're just seeing if anything else is going to happen. 
Like maybe it's going to rain Skittles now or something, right? We don't really know. We're a little surprised by all this that's has taken place. But the implication of these angels who address them is that there is something more important that they are supposed to be getting to. That they're just sitting are standing there being amateur meteorologists, like they need to get to the actual work. They can't just stare at the clouds all day. They need to get to what God has before them. And so they go back to the upper room, which is probably the place where they had celebrated the Last Supper. I mean, this pattern is pretty familiar for them. Mount of Olives and then the upper room. They did this several times before. And they're staying in this upper room. And what is the work that they devote themselves to while they wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit? Prayer. It says all of these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. They are praying. They aren't just waiting. They aren't just sitting there twiddling their thumbs, playing on video games, updating their Facebook profile, still waiting for Holy Spirit. Right? Relationship status looking. Um, no, they are actively engaged in this ministry, this ministry of prayer, this ministry of actively waiting for God to intervene. Right? Because prayer is passive on one level, right? Because you're not really doing anything, right? You are praying for things, but you're not really doing those things. But it's active in a sense as well, right? Because it's acting that God, or asking that God would intervene powerfully to make those things take place. And at some point, praying that God would allow you to be a part of that, whatever that thing is, right? There's an active and a passive element to prayer. Trusting in God to be in front of you and to be doing that work, and then trusting that when he calls, you are willing to do it. Okay, so this, that's what they devote themselves to while they're waiting for God to fulfill his promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, we know the result of this, right? Did the Spirit come? Yes. Yeah, how long after that day of the ascension did the Spirit come? Anyone know? Ten days. For 1,000 points? Ten days. Yeah, ten days. Way to go, Kim. The day of Pentecost, the Spirit did come and did fall upon those gathered, and it fell, or he fell in power and in might. So what does this mean for us? Well, I think on several levels we can connect with this. For one, we often find ourselves in a place of waiting, right? You all ever wait for anything? I know we are that, you know, we are very used to things being immediate now, right? Immediate gratification, immediate shipping, uh, you know, next day air, um, you know, no 68 weeks for delivery anymore, right? We are people who like the immediacy of things, but we do still find ourselves waiting. In the military, there's this, we were always told that the standard was hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait, right? Rush, 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 get your stuff all together and then wait, wait, right? And I think that's how a lot of life is, isn't it? Frenetic movement and then wait. As we wait, as we wait for all kinds of things, maybe you're waiting for school to get out. Maybe you're waiting for a ride. Maybe you're waiting for a diagnosis. Right? There's all kinds of waiting we're involved in. And as we wait for these things, we have the opportunity and the obligation to wait like the disciples, to wait actively 
to wait in an engaged manner, to not just try to pass the time so that we don't feel bored waiting, but rather to engage in the waiting process, to invite God into that and to be actively in prayer to him, praying that God would carry out his will and send his spirit to whatever challenge is before us or before those we care about or before this world. Secondly, we live in a world into which the Holy Spirit has come. Pentecost happened nearly 2,000 years ago. The Spirit is here, and He has been actively engaged in the lives of Christians from that point until today. Unlike the apostles, as they waited, hoping that the Spirit would come, we know that the Spirit has come, and the Spirit is with us now if we are in Christ. So while we sit and wait, we are also able to actively step out and be led by the Spirit, knowing that the Spirit is with us, the Spirit is preparing the way for us. We'll see this next week as we celebrate the day of Pentecost. We'll remember this day when the Spirit came and transformed the lives of those Christians gathered in Jerusalem. Particularly, the bishop will be with us. And the bishop represents the universal church. He represents that larger church body beyond the walls of Emmanuel, beyond the walls, beyond the walls of our county, beyond the walls of, of the world that we know. The bishop represents the universal church, the church of all Christian believers. And he will be here to confirm members of our church into full engagement in this church, the large church. <laughs> And he will pray that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit who we will be reading about on Pentecost, will fall upon these Christians and will empower them to do the ministry that they have ahead of them. While we wait for the bishop's visit, during this week between now and when he comes next Sunday, we should be praying that the power of the Holy Spirit falls upon those about to be confirmed. We should be praying that the Holy Spirit falls upon this church. We should be praying that the Holy Spirit falls upon this world and that it floods out like waters covering the earth. May the Holy Spirit come and may he come in power and might and grace. And may we pray for that this coming week and in the weeks ahead. In addition, we have a challenge that the Archbishop of Canterbury has offered for all of us. And that is that he's challenged us to pray for people to know Jesus Christ. During this time between the Ascension and Pentecost, he has challenged us to pray pointedly and directly that people would come to know Jesus Christ. This type of prayer, this prayer that the Holy Spirit would work and that God would be working in the hearts of people, preparing them for the message of the gospel. This is exactly the work of the Holy Spirit. And this time between Ascension and Pentecost is a very fitting and beautiful time for us to be praying this prayer. And since we have the Holy Spirit with us now as Christians, we should be out there in this world. Remember the commission that was given to the disciples was you will receive power and you will be, will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That promise and that challenge 
did not end with that generation of apostles. That promise and that challenge are ours today. You and I have been challenged by Jesus Christ to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And if you and I will not go, who will? Who will be his witness? In addition, we are challenged to be engaged in our world, in our communities, volunteering our times, our talents to serve others in need, being good stewards of the creation the Lord has entrusted to us, and proclaiming the gospel so that others might come to know the life and mercy of Jesus Christ that you and I enjoy. This time of year, students all over are confronted with the challenge of going away from each other for a while. What will they do while they are apart? How will they express their feelings at this moment? I too am facing this challenge right now because this is my last Sunday where the bishop's not here and I'm with you, right? It's my last time I get to preach with you here at this church before I go on sabbatical. It's that last opportunity I have to have you just to myself, to be able to express to you the challenge that it is. I find myself kind of weepy. A little sad thinking about going on sabbatical. Granted, I'm still going to go, right? I'll I'll take one for the team. But it's hard. It's hard thinking about it. I love you all. You mean so much to me. Like You've been formative in my life, and I hope I've been a part of yours and continue to be a part of yours. Like You preach to me. You minister to me. And I care about you. I'm going to miss you these these next three months. Right? There's not another church I feel more at home than this church. This is my place. And you are my people. And I'm yours. So it's hard facing this moment when we'll be apart for a period of time. And so during this time while we are apart, can we challenge each other to pray? To be actively engaged? To not just be passing the time, checking out until... We come back together in three months, the beginning of September. Oh, can we be actively engaged in prayer to the Holy Spirit and in serving others, seeking to love and care for the people God has put around us, hearing the Holy Spirit and the challenge that he speaks to us to go out and to proclaim the good news in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Can we commit to doing that? Yeah, I hope we can. I hope you and I will take hold of that commission. That you and I will each in our various ways and according to our various talents and callings of the Holy Spirit will respond to him. And during these next three months and in the years ahead, we'll be people who are people of prayer, people of service, people of love and grace and gospel proclamation. May we be his witnesses. So that when we come back together three months from the Sunday after the, the Monday after the bishop's visit, we'll be able to come back and proclaim to one another how God has been working in our hearts, in our lives, and around us. We'll be able to share stories of faith and transformation and encourage one another. Can we do this? Yeah. By the grace of God, may we. And may he give us the strength to be faithful 
And when we fall short, when we realize, when I realize all I've been doing is looking at my belly button, right? Instead of looking out to what God has called me to do, may I seek his mercy and his forgiveness and return to him. And maybe the same with you all too. And we'd be humble, grace-filled witnesses of Christ in this world. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for being present with us. Thank you for the hope that is ours in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We confess to you, Lord God, that while you call us to great things, we so often fall short. Lord God, we, we forget, we forget the commission. We forget the power that is ours and available for us to use. We get focused on how little we think we have, how small we are, how limited our gifts, Lord, how other people are better or smarter or, or more adept, Lord. We confess this to you. We confess that we put everything, we make everything about us, Lord. And we pray that you would help us to make it about you. Lord God, as we approach this day of Pentecost, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come. And he would come in power. He would come in might. He would come in grace. He would come in humility and in love, Lord, and that he would... uh, Fall upon us powerfully, Lord, particularly upon those who are devoting themselves to you through the rite of confirmation and reaffirmation and reception, Lord. We pray that your spirit would be powerfully manifest in them and in us. And Lord God, light us, light us on fire for you. May it be a fire which cannot be extinguished, Lord, by the winds and waters of this world. Lord God, thank you for your love. Thank you for the hope of your gospel. And we pray that we would walk in joy and peace following you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.